All righty, guys. Welcome back to yet another cracking installment of the Map Round Show. Today, I'm joined uh, from the bright lights, literally, uh, of Las Vegas, a bright light herself, Rachel McCord. Welcome to the show. Hi, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to meet your meet your crew out there. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, and they're excited to meet you as well. Um, so, uh, Rachel, uh, you've got a very distinguished background. You're a true hustler from everything that I've uh, read online. Your team are amazing as well. So thank you for making your time or the time rather to be here today. Um, so, Rachel, um, thank you for being here. It's a real privilege to, to have you on the show. Uh, Rachel, why don't you, um, for our viewers and audience uh, around the world who potentially haven't heard uh, much about you, uh, as much as I as much of I, as I've seen online, but um, give us the elevator pitch. What do we need to know about you? Yeah, thank you for the question. So I'm really passionate about pulling people out of themselves. I've met a lot of people in the world who have struggled with trauma, poverty, like myself, and have felt like they couldn't make a difference in the world, that their voice, their brand, their dream wasn't meant to happen. And I feel like my purpose in the life is helping them figure that out. So um, I run a few companies. Um, I definitely live in the fashion world a bit. I love that zone. It's a little bit of my little girl dream. Um, but I, I also run a company called Launchpreneur with my husband. And what we've done from taking shows that I've done, like El- actually Elevator Pitch on Entrepreneur Magazine, which is so fun. Um and helping businesses, they come in, they pitch us like Shark Tank, what their idea is, what their dream is, um, where they are from a financial perspective. And we help them put the pieces together to build their business. We worked with everyone from Todd Chrisley and his daughter, Savannah Chrisley, on Growing Up Chrisley. We did an episode together to, um, you know, I Run Magic, which is the largest trade show in the world for fashion buyers and brands. So I've helped, um, you know, Juliana Rancic connect with audiences, Tori Spelling, the Bella Twins. We've done a lot of stuff in the public eye, but I think it's sitting down with an entrepreneur one-on-one and having them tell me why they think they're not good enough to have their dream happen or for have to have their business scale and grow and me proving them otherwise. That's amazing. I love that challenge. And I think I couldn't agree with you more. There's, there's, there's definitely, I would say uh, you've actually used the term before we went live, but it's like a want entrepreneur, you know, it's like people who want to become entrepreneurs. They know they have it in them, but they just full of fear. Um, and so they, they don't want to take that, that sort of, you know, that first step, which is the hardest step, as I'm sure you already know. Um, but um, I want to maybe, before we get into the meats and the potatoes around Launchpreneur and all that kind of stuff, you mentioned that uh, you actually came from poverty and, and, you know, you kind of like went from poverty to celebrity, so to speak. Um, walk us back to the beginning, like walk us through those early days. Yeah. um, Well, I I grew up in trailer parks in Georgia. Um, We lived on food stamps. I was a family of five on $20,000 a year, which still blows my mind when I look at what I spend on my employees now. I'm like, what? Like, wow, that's actually like not a lot of money at all. Um, I remember being a kid and just praying that the lights would stay on and the heat in the winter. Um, And I, I knew that, um, I knew that I wanted something different for my life. I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know how to get there, but I believed that it came from a source of hard work. So I actually started working when I was 13, totally had to lie to everyone who would meet me at the place. Like you look really young. I'm like, no, I'm 18. I was like 18 for five years. Um, but I, 
worked every single day. Um, my boss was a small business and he couldn't afford me for as long as I wanted to work to really learn business and prove myself. So I would clock out at 3 PM. I'd work until 10. I was homeschooled. So I would just hustle in between slow, slow time. Cause it was a restaurant. And, um, you know, I graduated early from high school when I was 16. I did some extension courses with UCLA to study what I was passionate about. And I just kept working and I kept on trying to climb the ladder and I didn't know exactly where it was going to go or how it was going to get there, but I just felt this drive and this passion to do it. And I love what Kevin Hart says. He's like, you can't cheat the hustle. I can't agree more. You really have to do the work and, and, and lean in. Um, But what I love about overcoming depression that came as a result of that, overcoming the anxiety that I feel every time I get on a a, a show with someone like you, Matt, or I stand on a stage, you know, I just remember that it's not about me. It's genuinely not like we are all here for a a purpose and and a season, and we can use that purpose to do good in the world. And I really want to do that. And I feel like there's so many entrepreneurs who have a dream, who have a passion, and they just need the opportunity to do it. I know that that was me. I just wanted, I just wanted to be given the shot. I just wanted to earn my way at the table. And if that meant that I was serving the drinks to get there and then mopping up afterward, like I just wanted to sit at the table. And, you know, I, I built a brand that had a skyscraper brand, but it didn't have a skyscraper leader, didn't have a skyscraper team. It was just me hustling. And then getting someone to help me that I could afford for $15 an hour and a little bit more and a little bit more. And I think what happened as a result of that is I realized how capable you are. You don't have to have a four-year degree or a seven or eight-year degree. You don't have to come from a wealthy family. You don't have to ever take an investment. If you work hard, you have a good strategy, you can do it. I can't work hard for you, but I can definitely help you find a good strategy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, lots to get into there. Uh, Rachel, have you ever suffered from imposter syndrome? It's a very well-documented uh, reality for celebrities, you know, pop stars, musicians, and entrepreneurs. Have you ever suffered from that before? Definitely. I think I still feel it. I mean, I remember the first time I was sitting at a roundtable at the Nobel Awards in L.A., And um, I looked around because, you know, I spend, you know, I spent the past 12 years in Los Angeles building, building my business and helping a lot of celebs. And I remember sitting at this table and Morgan Freeman was two seats down. Jessica Simpson was there. I mean, it was like a crazy stress event. And I was like, literally, who let me in the back door? Why am I here? And um And what I love that you said, Matt, earlier was that it's kind of that first step, believing in yourself is that first step. And I just want to say, I completely agree. And I also think that it's a step that you revisit because oftentimes in your career, as you build success, and I know that you know this because you've built tremendous success and congratulations on all of that. It's really impressive. But you know, if something happens, right, all of a sudden your company's getting acquired and, and you're negotiating hundreds of millions of dollars and you're suddenly like, again, like, whoa, I'm at that step again. And Anytime you find yourself slipping back to what you feel like is ground zero, oh, I'm at the beginning all over again, you have to remember that you're not the same person standing at the same place, which means that you don't have to learn all the same lessons again. You just have to feel that moment. You have to validate yourself and you have to find the right people to help you get into a new space. And and I love that. And I, I feel the imposter syndrome whenever it pops up and I genuinely feel it. I'm like, okay, we're feeling this right now. Cool. Like, what do I need to do to express it? Sometimes I need to work harder. Sometimes I need to pull someone else on my team who's more advanced. And sometimes I just need to fill it and move on. Yeah. It's, um, it's a really, I love what you said about revisiting the first step because, um, 
I'm in recovery, so I have a, a raging, massive, fat passion for drugs and alcohol, which I don't do anymore. <laughs> but uh, step work is something I never really did um, until uh, recently. It's just um, I just decided to more get more deep into myself this year. Um, so, you know, really getting into like the why and the how and the patterns and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm very familiar with what you, what you're describing around revisiting that first step. Um, and it's interesting because as a concept, because I believe that you're, that you are correct. Um, and that as a, if you want to be successful in whichever way you feel is successful to you, you have to revisit who you are. Um, and part of that process is really getting into the, you know, your own story. Um, and when you come from, I mean, obviously in Africa, as you know, there's lots of underprivileged um, kids who um, have baggage. They have, uh, or they're underprivileged. They don't have the the opportunities that, um, you know, that I've, that I had being born into an, a sort of a middle-class white family in South Africa. Um, and so they never had those opportunities and, and, you know, so, so the step change that's required is what we're talking about here, which is to get them to change the narrative in their head that it is in fact possible to achieve what I read in magazines or what I see on Instagram when I visit Rachel McCord's, uh, you know, Instagram page as an example, you know, <laughs> but I mean, you know, I'm being facetious, but um, on a serious note, it is about changing that in, internal dialogue right? And you would have had to have done that same thing. And you continuously, as you described, do that. You keep revisiting that first step, changing that inner dialogue, starting to believe in yourself over and over again. So my question, Rachel, is what's your advice to a a young man or woman watching us right now who's really battling with this imposter syndrome, this story that they're not good enough, this fear of judgment, like whatever that inner narrative might be for them. What's your word of uh, your words of wisdom advice about breaking through those sorts of uh, challenges? Yeah, great. And thank you for sharing that part of your story. I, I really respect that. I um, actually went into treatment for 30 days for depression, trauma-based. And um, it was like one of the hardest things I ever did, but I think it's so crucial to break down those foundations. Like you're saying, replace it with truth, replace it with visualizations of what could be, and not like in a cheesy, like namaste way. It's like true stuff. You have to be able to see it to believe it. That's why entertainment can be so impactful for good or bad, right? What you focus on is where you go, just like a motorcyclist. Um, But to answer your your question, um, I would say it comes down to three things. The first one is that you've got to break out of that that thought pattern, right? Um, so I highly recommend on in um, iTunes, there is an amazing track by David McGraw. In fact, there are four tracks he does and they're positive affirmations. But what I love about them is they're not like the typical, like out of the situation, only good will come, which that's an amazing one. And it's from Louise Hay. And I listened to it a long time. I did it for 30 days, two times a day. And I really felt like it was the beginning of my new life. Um, but David McGraw actually has two really powerful ones that um, that really transformed me on a business side. So one is his power affirmations, which are just epic. They're just like, you've got this. Like, it's just like, it's, it speaks into the wiring that we have in our minds. And, and if you ever wonder the power, and I know you don't, cause you obviously do these types of things, but um, if you wonder the power of, of, of these affirmations, you have to understand how brain wiring works. So when you grow up in a difficult childhood or something that triggers you right with what you shared, there's, there, there are neuropathways that have been built because of experiences that you've gone through. 
And as a result, you might see a bar and it might trigger, oh, this, right? So what you do with um, affirmations and with visualization and just working on the inner game, right? Like you talk about, um, it's about really transforming what's happening in there. So you've got to feed your body the right things. While number two, you remove the things that aren't working. So you have to get away from the people, the places and the things that are not most beneficial for you. Are you in a crab bucket where everyone around you is like telling you, no, you can't and trying to pull you down? A crab never climbs out of a crab bucket because as soon as they get right to the edge, all the little crabs are like, oh, heck no. And they're trying to pull you back down. So you've got to get away from the things that are feeding you the wrong things while you're feeding yourself the right things. And the third part when it comes to business specifically is that you've got to make sure that you have the right tools on the table so that you can make a difference in your business, in your life. It's not one of those things that happens when you lie on the couch and visualize. It is something that happens when you are getting up and you're showing up and you're moving up. I call it working up. I don't work out that much, but I definitely work up every single day. I'm leading my team and I'm I'm being really consistent with them. And those are the things that build your merit. And so internally, as you're doubting yourself, look at your resume, honey, look at what you've overcome. You know, like I think about it and I'm like, you know, it would have been good enough if I never left a trailer park and I just lived a daily job and I learned how to love myself, to love God and love the world. If I had learned all that, that would have been more than enough. But for some reason, I'm here for such a time as this, and I'm going to use that. And I'm going to leverage that every time I doubt it, because anytime I get nervous, I just literally say a little prayer. I'm like, you know what? It's not about me. Like, use me, let me grow, let me help others grow. And it's a good day. And I can check that off in the box. Yeah, there's there's so much good stuff there. Uh, Rachel, one of those things I wanted to touch on is something you you mentioned earlier was uh, anxiety. So I actually recorded a video this morning, uh, which uh, was basically entitled, like, how to use anxiety uh, to get anything you want in business. Um, and when you, I know it's great, it's a, it's an oxymoron, right? How did you do that, Matt? What? How much time do you have? <laughs> this is your the interview. World. This is your interview. Um, <laughs> but, um, but I, I actually, but you know, to, on a serious note, like entrepreneurs, like, you know, the only certainty is uncertainty, right? And if you think about COVID and like, that's just one driver of anxiety, but you've got, you know, uh, employees leaving uh, your employment. You've got clients paying late. You, you've got uh, deals that you've lost. You've got customers that you uh, don't know where you're going to get new customers from. And insert your problem. It's all one massive tidal wave of uncertainty. One massive tidal wave of, of uncertainty. And unfortunately, as entrepreneurs, we have to project forward into the future so that we can try and figure out, well, what the hell to do? And, you know, great visionaries, you mentioned vision, uh, you know, being uh, visualizing. So you have to project into the future to try and figure out how to survive, especially when you're launching a business as a first-time founder, especially. So anxiety is normal. It's normal. And and I don't know what it's like in America, but certainly over, over here in South Africa, there's a very sort of male-dominated doctrine where it's not okay to be weak. It's not okay to be vulnerable. It's not okay to say, I'm fucked and I need help or I'm suffering from depression. Yes. You know, you know, pick me. I've got a drug and alcohol problem. You know what I'm saying? And one in five families have someone who they live with who is an addict. And I'm not just talking about drugs. There's all types of addiction, you know, because we want to escape this reality. We want to feel like we're connected to something greater than ourselves, which is what you described earlier on around, you know, it's not about you. 
you know, so we want to connect. And so this is the, the, the challenge that we all have to face as human beings, let alone entrepreneurs or celebrities and so on and so forth, such as yourself. Um, so we've obviously both been to treatment centers, so to speak, as we covered uh, just now. Um, but um, I'd love to maybe ask you, um, how, what have you learned about courage in terms of coming to terms with this reality that many of us think completely sucks? You know, it's like COVID, working from home, da, 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 like whatever our, our stories are. Um, you know, what's your word, words of wisdom there? What have you learned about, you know, um, a, embracing a, I can overcome this mindset? Because for me, it's always about mindsets. You know, if the difference between someone who's really wealthy and someone who's poor is largely mindset. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. Um, wow. You were just like smoking these questions, Matt. Like for every time I run the, a conference, can you just write my questions please? and also come out and, um, and speak? Um, so, you know, one of my favorite things that my husband always says to me, and he's a serial entrepreneur as well. He says, it's not brave if you're not afraid. And I just love it so much. It's one of those little phrases that give me so much chills. And I think it's because he says it when I'm feeling the greatest fear. And um, growing up the way that I grew up, um, like fear was just the normal, right? Like I always felt fear. Like my, my home was very scary. So I was just, you know, trying to navigate that by stuffing everything inside and still showing up and still doing it. And I still do that today. But you know what I do is I use that. I say, I know that this is where I came from. And I know that there are parts of me that will never be quote unquote normal because there is no such a thing, but I I'll never come to, I'll never come to bat up without having to have run a couple marathons to get there because I do it mentally every time I feel things from my past. But I think what's so exciting about it is when I became an entrepreneur and I started um, interviewing people who would help me build, who would help me on my team and everything. I started realizing that the things I cared about the most were the parts of them that I related with. I, I loved people with grit. I loved people who had, had worked their way to the table. I love people who are hungry, right? You're not hungry if you're not hungry. So people who are very quenched might not be the same sales rep as people who are hungry and they're trying to make sure their bills are, are, are paid on time. And so I, I think when I started realizing the power that you have, like you're saying, right, that you can harness to actually do something epic because you've got fire within you, because you've got like this this pushing to be something else. Um, I think most of my life, I allowed um, a desire to run from where I was to get me to a certain place, right? But there was a real defining moment in my life where I felt like I was still running from instead of running to. And I had to shift that in order to continue going because it takes a lot of energy and effort to continue moving. But the truth is, is that if you, if you're, if you're locked into your why, and if you remember when we first started this interview, I don't talk a lot about what I do. You know, you can go online and, and see bikini photos and you can see business models that I built, right? You see all kinds of stuff. But what I talk about is my why, because I want to work with people who I align with, who I believe in, because I don't want to try. I don't even want to take a check from someone unless I think that I can help them. 
And sometimes they feel so far from where they are. But Tony Robbins talks about this. He was saying that he went golfing one day and he hit the ball one day. He like went on and on and on, just kept hitting it, kept hitting it. Then the next day he comes back and he's way off, quote unquote. So he talks to his buddy who was a pro golfer. And he's like, what is my issue? He's like, dude, you're like one little millimeter off. And it feels like you're way off, but it's just the velocity and the, and the time and the space that's happening. So sometimes you feel so far off, but you're right there. And you also have to remember that it's all, it's often darkest before the dawn, right before you change your life, it becomes way harder than it's ever been, but necessity is the mother of invention. So you can let COVID be your necessity. You can let lost revenue, lost jobs, lost opportunities be your necessity, but then you can use that to transform your intention. Yeah. Or you can use it as your excuse. That's true. That's true. You have you. The choice is up to you. Be a victim or be a conqueror, be an overcomer or keep moving. It's up to you. Yeah. There's always an excuse, right? There's, but you need to find there's a thousand excuses not to do something, you know, not to go to the gym, not to eat healthy, not to, you know, make another cold call, uh, you know, not to record another video or not to do what you know you need to do. Um, and, uh, you know, but my thing is you, you, what you said, which is your why, you need to find at least one reason to continue. Mm-hmm. A thousand reasons to quit, but one you need to find. And, and you know, I, I, I love why because I talk about why all the time. So, oh, do you want to sell? Why? Why do you want to sell? Oh, do you want to start a business? Why do you want to sell uh, mm-hmm. or, or start a business? You know, uh, why do you want to start that uh, new YouTube channel? Because if you don't know what's motivating you, um, it's very difficult to continue when things get tough. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And things will get tough. Spoiler alert. It's going to happen. But I couldn't agree more. And I think that if you can find a reason that lives outside of yourself, right? Like, is it about your family? Is it about making something different for your children so that they can see who you've become? Because I always look at like, I have a little boy, he's um, 20 months old now. And, you know, I know that where my husband and I leave off will be his launching pad. So the more I can do for him, the more of a launching pad he has. So so I think if you can find that why um, that is outside of yourself, it's so powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you mentioned a few things there, your son and your husband and that, but you know, if before you met your husband and before you had your kid, like where, where, did, where did your drive come from? Was it uh, a problem with the status quo? Like what, what drove you to become who you are today? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top, you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up. It's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. Yeah, I think that season, if I'm being honest, was about running from, right? It was me running from the trailer park. 
It was me running from the shame I felt for where I came from, not just physically, but like what all the things that had happened. I just had a lot of shame on me. And I felt like it was like this cloud that I was trying to outrun. The the truth is, obviously, you can't outrun yourself <laughs> because boom, you're always there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, at a certain point, you kind of have to stop and, and look in and the sooner the better. Um, so, you know, I've spent a lot of time doing that. And unfortunately, um, like, I feel like God put my husband, Rick, in my life for a season for me to be, for the first time, able to actually rely on someone, rely on someone who I felt like actually loved me, rely on someone who actually was like, you know what, like, don't be worried about keeping the rent paid at your house. Because prior to that, even my first company that I started before him, I didn't start it because I was passionate about becoming the top three, one of the top three events and concierge companies in Las Vegas. That wasn't my dream, right? It was just an opportunity that came for me because I opened a venue in the win. I had um, built a, a background in, in, um, in corporate America. So I, I, I checked off a lot of boxes and I was like, okay, this seems like the next step. And I was allowing the next step to always lead me. But the problem is sometimes you see something that looks like the right step, but it's the wrong step. And I would just kind of keep growing and keep going. Um, but then there became a point in my life when literally my husband sat down, he was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, what? Like, like, cause it was a foreign concept to me. I wasn't thinking about what I wanted to do. I was thinking about like, where was I going to have the, the highest income and be able to do like, like almost like, well, I was like kind of gobbling up accolades, right? Oh, I got a holiday, a, a Hollywood icon award. I was like on all these, these red carpets and doing all these shoots and all these things. So I was like, oh, I must be advancing. Um, but in reality, I was kind of just spinning, right? Cause I, I was just kind of letting my environment dictate where I was. And if, you know, and the moment that you're not worth that photo because there's another celebrity they care about more or whatever, you kind of start to be like, wait, like, you know, what am I doing here? And so, um, so it was really nice to take that season of my life to actually build something that was more purpose-driven. I wrote a book that was all about helping, that is all about helping people break into social media and entertainment without it breaking them. So building a brand because I noticed that a lot of people who I would work with in LA um, were all struggling with finding their, their affirmation for themselves. So they were looking for it to the wrong places. And so I wanted to give a sassy self-help to help them with their business and brand, but also help them with their heart work. Yeah, that's, that's really, really amazing. I really want to talk to you about the role of media because media has been influential as what I wouldn't say only influential, but I would say critical to my success. Um, and uh, when the Bitcoin, you can see the sign behind me, it says Crypto Kung Fu. It's a YouTube channel and series name we've, we've got. Um, and uh, I remember when the Bitcoin price was running towards 2020, um, the, the initial craze, uh, I was selling out live events uh, back to back. I had like nine or 10 sold out events back to back. And, uh, and my media profile was really good. Like everybody knew the show. Um, uh, but what I didn't have was a business mm -hmm. and that sucked being mm -hmm. famous, but broke is not cool, <laughs> you know, and, but, but the role of media, the lessons I learned there about the power of media to influence a, a market or a, or a person or a group of people is really important. Uh, Donald Trump is an amazing media personality, right? Uh, you definitely are an amazing media personality. You have a great skill set in that space, clearly. Um, what, um, what is the role of media to you today? 
Um, how important is it if you are, you know, a startup in the Launchpreneur program that you guys run? Yeah. So, um, great question. Um, and congratulations again. I mean, you just keep blowing me away. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like this guy is like no joke. So, um, so I look at your business development as twofold and I love that you talked about the business of being a celebrity. Cause I have tons of friends who are mega stars. Like it's insane. Like one of them, Zane and Heath, we had Megan trainer walking up to us like Zane, I'm the biggest fan of yours. And I sat down with him and I was like, I want to help you. And I was like, what are you doing right now? How are you monetizing? How much revenue are you bringing in? He's like, well, I'm driving Uber. I want to slap him in the face, but then like, like, and shake him and be like, no, like, this is not the best use of your time, honey. Like you just need brand sponsorships. Like that's the difference. Right. So I look at it as kind of being twofold, right? It's like, you got to build a business and then you shift into marketing, right? Which is where media, in my opinion, is insanely crucial. The problem is, is that for a lot of my friends, my sister included, that's why I started, that's why I moved out to LA originally. She just, she was like, I need help. Like, I'm not organized. I've got like, like agents and managers and, and like attorneys and all these people. I don't even know what they do, you know, because she grew up just like I did. And, and she's like, but like, I need help, like putting the pieces together. And, you know, what I realized is that when you're a celebrity, you actually do it reversed. You actually do it, go into marketing before you build a business. So what we usually do, and we literally just did an accelerator a week ago with someone who is one of the biggest journalists in a specific field. It's very, it's very fun. It's very sassy. It's like, it's literally like second amendment world world. You know what I mean? It's like very different than high Hills and, and hot pink, which is hilarious because I carry Rachel with her, me everywhere I go, but I'll be like, listen, I know that I'm not what you expect, but there are some basic principles to success in the industry. And I can help you do that. It just, you know, it's so funny because, you know, sometimes like I, I kind of, I'm kind of like the mama bear when I work with entrepreneurs, because I work with guys who have like insane portfolios. And I'm like, well, you can't be doing that. And they're, they're like, okay, it's hilarious. I'm like, I don't even know why you guys listen to me. Cause I'm wearing pink, but let's do it. Um, I think I'm like, not what they expect. You know what I mean? I kind of surprised yeah. them a little bit. Um, but, but anyway, what I was saying was it kind of starts with the business side, right? So you build that, um, you build up your business, you build up process and people, whether the people is only you at the beginning, that's okay, but you've got to create process. You've got to create clear goals. You've got to create your business model, your business plan and a marketing plan. And you've got to kind of like bake it all down. And you don't want to, you don't want to skip steps, right? Because it's so quick that people are like, let's just go, 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 go. And then they miss something or what happens a lot is that some people are really good at step one. They're like, Oh, I got this. They're like sitting in their cave and they're banging out email templates. They're never going to send and business models. They're never going to action on. And they're, they're curating product ideas that they're never going to buy. And then they get to that, that, turning point of sales and marketing and it's failure to launch. It's like, Oh, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready. I'm like, just do it. Like you've got to iterate as you go, but you have to actually make the choice to turn like to, to just go, just, just move in that direction. And so, um, so, you know, I kind of help people walk through that plan. My husband is a double MBA and he's worked with everyone from Disney and every, and every movie and TV show from like friends and the Hobbit to Harry Potter and the passion of the Christ. Right. So he, 
he is more of what they're expecting. <laughs> I'm a little bit more of the wild card. Um, but my husband is like a genius. It's crazy. I'm like, you're almost clairvoyant. Like he can sit down with someone and you don't even think he's listening because he's like, oh yeah, you know? And then all of a sudden it's like, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to change, name your business. And, um, and I'm the person who kind of like wrangles in all the details in between because you know if it was my husband kind of thinks you go from from LA to Vegas and you snap your fingers but I'm like no you actually have to get the jet and you have to get the pilot like there's like a step process you know what I mean I'm like that step process and fortunately as we've grown I like you said I I have got a a great team now and and I'm very hands-on with them I'm very involved in their process and I like to stay connected we run our whole world on ClickUp so if you haven't checked out ClickUp that's actually a really good platform so that? it's a it's a project management tool, and this is not sponsored by them. I am a paying customer, but you know we realized that as we were growing, our our scale wasn't growing with us, right? Our process wasn't in, in check because we were trying to manage our our assistant, and we were trying to manage. We have a team kind of all over. We have people in the Philippines who are like incredible. Like we've worked with them for years. We have people kind of all over the place, right? It's a virtual world, but we were very virtual before that. And um, what happened was our assistant got COVID and it was a real wake up call for us because we were like, oh my gosh, like, I don't even know what she's doing. Like, can you take a picture of your task list and send it to me? So, so nothing gets missed. And we just realized our business wasn't built for scale. Like we were built on people and we needed to be built on process. So, um, so I've come in and done what I do for other companies where I told myself and my husband and our leadership team, all the things that we were doing wrong. And I just like to roll up my sleeves. I'm like, let's fix this, you know, and I'll, I'll work for like in the middle of the night. So I'm not disrupting my son's schedule too much. And like, you know, I'm like kind of finding the windows that I can work. And um, I usually do these like accelerators for myself. It lasts about two to four months where I'm working around the clock and, um, and we're scaling and we're growing. And I think it's a really good thing to do with your business. I love doing it over the holidays when everyone's kind of quiet. Um, I end up blasting off in the next, in the new year every year because I've been doing all that prep work, right? I've been doing all the planning and, and grabbing my husband and be like, we're talking through these problems and I drive him nuts because I am the problem seeker. He's like, what for someone who's really positive? Like, why are you a problem seeker? I'm like, because I want to find the problem that I want to resolve it. I'm not afraid of problems. I run to them like with, with love. I'm like, show me yourself. Cause when I find them, I feel less nervous because it's not knowing the problem that's scary, right? They say half of solving a problem is knowing you actually have one. So I actually love finding a problem. It's like a side of relief. I know. Right. But this, this is the thing. If you want to become a billionaire, solve a problem for a billion people, you know? Um, and to uh, honestly, like, I, yeah, another thing, like, I totally agree with you. I think, um, there's so much I want to get into around that. You know, um, you know the one of the things I've learned about starting um, is to embrace being ignorant. Hmm. So wow. it's a, it's, it doesn't make sense. Why you must you must be switched on. You must know what to do. You must have the plan. You must have everything. You know, like meticulously worked out and all this kind of stuff. And I'm not saying that you know, that's this, you know, that doesn't have its place. There's many ways to get to success. But mm-hmm. what I'm saying is, is that ignorance is actually a blessing. The reason why it's a blessing is because, you know, I, I founded 14 companies over the last 20 years and wow. probably 80% of those were, I wound up with a business that I didn't start out with at the beginning, you know, because mm-hmm. you think, ah, oh, you talk about problems. Well, I'm going to go and solve this problem. 
well, no, you're not. You're probably not because you think you want to solve that problem, but actually that problem either doesn't exist or there is like, for instance, you know, they got like, you must spot a market in the gap, but maybe there's no, uh, sorry, a gap in the market, but maybe there is no market in the gap. You can't make money. So therefore you have to move down the chain to find other problems to solve so you can scale. Because sometimes you can make money, but you're not growing fast enough because the market's too small or it's not liquid enough. Um, or you, you're trying to be everything to everyone. And so ignorance is actually a blessing because when you're ignorant, it gives you the opportunity to build your business around the problem. And when you are starting a services business, I think is you know there's products and services, and you can take clothing, for instance, you can sell relatively quickly if you can get your hands on stock. Um, but services for me allow you to build your business uh, around the problem far more quickly um, than say a, a product business. Product businesses, especially in the tech space, take uh, money and time. Two things you don't have. Um, and so what you want to be doing is you want to be selling number one, as fast as possible and leveraging that first customer to get two and two to four and four to 16, et cetera. Um, but, uh, but, but I actually, I, I don't actually believe in ideas like the business plan, uh, because they never survive first contact with the customer. They're good exercises in trying to distill all the thoughts you have to package everything and go, Hey, here's what it could be, but it's not what it's, I should, I should be flexible enough about that plan. So write it, but it's theory. And you should be able to adapt to the market as you start to uncover exactly what the problem is. I mean, even if you think about a, a simple thing like pricing, you know, how do you know what the pricing ceiling is for what you're offering? Like a, a dress is very different to a service. A service can cost a million dollars or it can cost, you know, $10. Uh, maybe not, <laughs> but you understand, you understand my point. So um, but, uh, but it is about building your business uh, around the problem. And often I found, and I don't know whether you found this in your startups and your entrepreneur program, I uh, uh, found this, but they get stuck. And the reason why they get stuck in my experience is that they're, they're trying to take on too much. I've got to do sales. I've got to do marketing. I've got to do content. I've got to do, uh, you know, stock ordering. I've got to do a strategy on this. I've got to deliver on that. And then, uh, and then suddenly we get crippling anxiety and you wonder why you can't sleep and you're waking up in cold sweats. <laughs> yeah, no, for you know? real. Yeah, so, I've, I've yeah. definitely seen that. But go ahead. I wanted to hear um, the rest of that. That's so good. Yeah. So I, yeah, I mean, I was pretty much done. I was going to get into the question now, but um, you know, um, the, the, the entrepreneurs are overwhelmed. This is the thing that I find is, is most frustrating, you know, is when you can't, you don't feel like you're making progress and that's mm -hmm. what, that's what fucks with your inner game, right? That's mm -hmm. what causes you to go into depression or anxiety or whatever the case is. Um, how do you deal with being overwhelmed? Because clearly you've got a lot going on. You've got launchpreneur, <laughs> <laughs> you've got your, uh, your event, um, the McCordless fashion MBA thing, which I want to talk to you about, uh, you know, you've got magic, you've got all these things going on and, and clearly there's, there's you and your team. So how mm -hmm. do you cope? Like what coping me mechanisms have you personally uh, developed and used to help you cope with what is clearly mounting and compounding demands on you? Yeah. Wow. What a good question. So, you know, I, I, this is an area I've really struggled with along with my career um, because I'm naturally very hands-on and I like to, um, to, to be involved as much as I can. But what I've learned has been that that's not always the best use of my time, number one. Um, so there'll be many times when I'll kind of be in an environment and I'm like, wait, like, why am I 
am I doing this right now? Like I know my team is capable. So what I focus my time and energy on is creating organization and process to empower them to stand on their own. And then I go to move to step two, which is delegation. And yes, there are tons of, um, of feelings of overwhelm because like you said, not only are you sometimes trying to do it all yourself, but you're also probably getting the midwife as your first hire. And I'll explain who that person is. Um, And then after you do that, you're expecting that person to be someone they're not. So the midwife is the person you feel comfortable brainstorming with. Okay. So it's that person who you're kind of like getting going. You're like, oh my gosh, you know, it'd be really cool. I have a kid and I have this problem. Like he wants his little teddy bear and he wants this. Why don't we merge them and make this product? And you start visualizing and, and dreaming about something like you're saying, right? Solving the problem. And I agree with you a thousand percent, build your business around a problem and you can build a sustainable business. Like you said, if there's a market for it. Um, and I like that addition because a lot of people don't talk about that. I'm like, oh, that's a really good, that, you, you say it so well too. Um, But what I've noticed is that a lot of people, you know, they kind of get in that zone and then they're brainstorming with someone. They're like, oh my gosh. And they're whiteboarding. It's all the fun part. Right. And then they're like, okay, cool. Well, there's my vision. And they just hand a stack of papers to this quote unquote midwife. And I call them a midwife because they're the person who help you birth the idea, but they're not necessarily the person best to do the execution of said idea. And I think like as entrepreneurs, if we're heart-driven entrepreneurs, which I definitely would would call myself one, um, you get attached to those people that you bring into your world. And we aren't always honest enough with ourselves when things aren't working. And so we're not always um, able to make the shifts as quickly as we should. And in reality, we need to fail fast. So whether it comes to bad process, bad product, bad pricing, bad market, you need to fail fast so that you can quickly rebuild in the right place. And it is that iteration process, you know, like the McCord list that it is today isn't even similar to what it was going to be, right? When I first started like whiteboarding originally, it's 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 laughable. But the McCord list for me, what I say when I go and speak places, um, like I actually did a talk, Michelle Obama was the keynote. It was like, unbelievable. I was like, what is happening? I did a panel um, about bootstrap founders and helping you figure out how you can be self-funded. And it was so crazy because most people on my panel were actually funded. (laughs) And I was like the only person there who was like, well, actually, just like you said, Matt, like you need to get that first sale, use that money as a little bit of runway to get your next sale. Right. So you kind of have to have that little, like that movement. And I played basketball as a kid. So I get that. Like you just got to move on the court. Like, where are we moving? Where's the ball going? We need to be just ahead of it. So I think that finding your right process and your right people, and then creating templates around it. And I always say, don't build a business off of templates, build templates off of a business. So when you start moving, when you start hitting that cold email, you get a good thing that starts working. That's your template. Don't start with whatever you began with because you have flushed it out. So every time I write a sales email, for example, I'll, for my team, I'll write it to one person who's my best friend. Because if I wouldn't say what I'm saying to my best friend, I'm probably saying the wrong thing. And then if you have a very limited budget, right, and you have that midwife on your team and they're helping you flush it out, and then you're getting to the point where you need to launch digital ads and you can't hire, like we have a marketing agency called Viral Brand, right? So we work with a lot of people who, before they come to us, dude, they're like on Fiverr and they're hiring amazing vendors to launch digital ads or to help them write sales copy and help to outsource all those areas of the business that aren't their strength. So I think that looking around and seeing what other options you have. Upwork is really great. And Fiverr is a global platform. I'm sure you're familiar. And, you know, you there's so many things that you can use to transform your business, but you Yay! really have to be able to, oh my goodness, there's my son. Um, you have to be able to, what'd you say? 
Bring him on. Bring him on. Okay. <laughs> He's going? here. Say hi. What's up, dude? This is Jude. Hey, Jude. Hey, Jude. What's up, bro? Say hi, you? Matt. We're talking about entrepreneur, your future business. Uh-huh. What's up, bud? What's this up, buddy? Rick, cool. We get to meet the whole family. Hey, Rick. How's it going, the whole family's here. That's yeah. awesome, man. Here. Oh, that's so special. Thank you. That's really awesome. <laughs> yeah, I've got to um, my, my fa- sorry to, to just pause there for a moment, Rachel. Yeah, my, oh, I like just, it. Just to let you, my kids are always running in here. So I just like <laughs> bring them on. Bring him on, put him on your knee. This is the new normal. I love it. That's so funny. Yeah, it is the new normal, right? I always think about that hilarious CNN interview yeah. where you had like the child just running in. I think yes. it was like the wife or the nanny or something like, yeah, yeah. no. Yeah, exactly. So she was scrambling around. It was embarrassing. And that's when it went viral, right? But now it's like, well, this happens all the time. So all the time. Yeah. And it's like, you know, what are we building our businesses for if we can't share with our families? So. <laughs> I know. Right. So, uh, so Rachel, I, all this stuff you're talking about, I love what you said around, you know, templates and business, don't build a business off the template, build the, the templates around the business and, and, you know, but why are you doing this? Going back to the idea of why now the why for me, if I'm hearing what you're saying correctly, is that you are wanting to grow. You're wanting to scale your business uh, to a greater number, uh, you know, a higher top line revenue or greater profit or whatever the case is, you know. Um, and what I have learned, and I'd love to uh, uh, get your view on this, is um, is that scale is not for everybody. Mm-hmm. That's really important. So mm-hmm. in the US, if you go to a website like TechCrunch, for instance, and you see all these headlines and it's like, you know, X startup raises Y amount of money, you know, for you know, 10 million, 20 million valued, not this billion amount, whatever the case is. Um, and so what it does, it creates, especially in America, and where the world watches America, especially from a startup perspective, but it creates a narrative and the narrative is you must scale. So we spoke about success earlier. So if you don't scale, you're not successful. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's bullshit because yeah. I, if you have you read a book called small giants by Bo Burlingham. And if you, have if, if you haven't, oh, Bo, Bo's on the show, he's been editor for Inc oh. magazine now for like 30 plus years. Crazy. He's written oh, more wow. about, yeah. He's written more about entrepreneurs than like anybody else pretty much. Wow. Um, wow. And so he wrote the book called small giants and he wrote, and he literally interviewed companies, did research also, and he found small giants. These are companies that you've never heard of. Okay that are doing a consistent top line revenue growth that are incredibly popular and are very valuable and they've never raised money. That was one of the criteria that basically said, well, you can't qualify as a small giant, quote unquote, if you've raised money. So you must be privately owned. So wow. that's amazing, right? So imagine if you could hold a business. I'm, I'm an exitpreneur. I build and sell. That's my thing. Or I acquire and sell. Um, and if, but for, for if you could hold on to a business for 10, 15 years and it could just grow and grow and grow. And when you're ready and, you know, Jude wants to take over, hey, Jude, man, listen, here's, here's a McCord empire, you know, take over, so, so to speak, should you choose this path for yourself, you know, and it should be a choice. Um, but uh, going back to the scale thing, scale is not for everyone. And I started to push must the scale of my business. We, we employed 50 people. Uh, at one stage. And I can tell you, Rachel, I was absolutely miserable. I was like, what the hell is this? I hate this business. I now have to deal with 
people and you know humans and humans want lots of love and attention and i you know i can't do the things that i that i wanted to do and i'm doing lots of culture building and now suddenly <laughs> the pressures of ceo mean entirely different things uh yeah. you know um and so i now know and one of my litmus tests is which is quite funny is like if i can't have my entire team around my house for lunch it's too big Wow. I love that. That's a really, that's a really good one. I do have a really long table, but maybe if I put in smaller chairs, <laughs> I, love, I do like that thought though. That's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, you could have like 20 people around your house. Why not? Or 30, depending on the size of yeah. your house. But like yeah. once it gets to a certain, so, so my thing is there's num- the certain numbers I've learned over the last 20 years, it's basically 15. So your first 15 people, it's fun. It's startup But when you go from 15 to 50, yeah. Now you need processes, all the stuff you described, templates, you know, management, outsourcing, data systems, all this kind of stuff to to grow, to right, get the business to rise. But now as you start going from uh, 15 to 50, you employ middle management or exco that you've mm-hmm. now got. And the mm-hmm. original team don't like this anymore. They don't like the corporate bullshit that you're forcing on them. They wanted to go back the way that it was, right? <laughs> yeah, and so you so. people start leaving, but now you got to replace them. And so if mm-hmm. you don't get to 50 and stay there, most companies retrench and then they go down to 15. And the next wow. level is from 50 to 150. So if you're fortunate enough to scale your business from 50 to 150 staff, okay, at your firm, um, when you get to 150, suddenly then most entrepreneurs don't have what your husband has, which is two MBAs. They've never run a 150-person company or a 300-person company or a 1,000-person company. They're not, they don't have the skill set to manage a scalable business. If you think about um, WeWork and Uber, all the CEOs got booted out, right? Yeah, that happens all the time. So you have mm-hmm. to be real with yourself and you need to know well, what, why am I building this and how, like how, um, you know, how much is enough in terms of size? Do you know what I'm saying? Because scaling, scaling for the sake of scaling is stupid. What have you Mm -hmm. learned about, um, you know, scale? What, what resonates with you about what I've said? Yeah, no, I love what you're saying. I think first of all, it's like remembering also like from a services perspective, what your brand identity is, right? Like a boutique firm who specializes in white glove services, moving into that scales 50, a hundred plus person, it changes the culture. It changes the vibe and it's different than what your clients might be used to. So I think that's really important. Um, you know, I, I definitely agree with you on the side of like, knowing that CEOs get replaced. And I think in my mind, I love that because I think that, you know, there comes a point where you want your, if you want that for yourself, you want your business to outgrow you. Right. And you have to be honest about that and realize when it's better, when your roles and your strengths are better suited as a founder versus a CEO. And I think that having that understanding is really powerful. Um, I always try to get out of the way of myself. Like that's how I've survived my life. Actually. I'm like, you know, I'm in the way of myself. Like I'm too afraid to step in to the the next thing. I'm too afraid. So I find myself pushing more towards, um, towards scale and growth because I would like to have my business at a place where it doesn't need me. And the only way I can do that is by implementing structure with my team. And I kind of run a little bit more like a scaled company with our processes and stuff. Um, 
versus being more boutique style, mainly because I just really want um, things to not be dependent on me. Because like you said earlier in the interview, which I loved, like be comfortable being ignorant. Like I see that as such a strength. If you can be humble and show up and do the work every day, you're in such a powerful spot, right? Because if you're humble, you know that you don't have all the answers. Like I love having my team calls and being able to sit down with my leaders and be like, hey, like, what do you think about this? And I'm definitely not that type of leader who says, this is what we're doing. Let's start implementing it. I really want to get buy-in from my head of execution, my head of marketing campaigns. I want to make sure that um, that the people who are going to be selling the products and the services that we're talking about really believe in something. And so I think having those touch points are really important. I think that there really can be that hybrid between the two where you have a heartbeat of a small business, but you have the process of a scaled company and you let it go in the direction it needs to be. You know, I've had a lot of people come to me and want to either start new brands with me or um, or become partners, have me do capsule collections in fashion, all these different things. And I think for me, what's really important is making sure that whatever I put my hands in, they are products that I really believe in. Actually, you know, right now we're in talks about a show that, you know, I have a show on Amazon live, but you know, kind of a little bit more of a big press pressure show. And, you know, I find myself having those questions that you're talking about with scale. Like, yes, that could, that would be huge from a business perspective, from an entertainment perspective, right? It's, it's a no brainer for most people, but I'm not most people. And what I treasure in life is peace, calm, it's success and time with my family. It's being able to activate my team in the morning and put my son to sleep, then get back to work and then stop working at three 30 when he wakes up and spend the evenings with him. You know, like those are things that are more important to me than all of the things that most people, um, care about when they're choosing those different lives. So I think that anytime big opportunity comes to you, it's important to, to come from a place of yes, but also be willing to say no. Yeah. There's that's such really wise words, uh, Rachel, especially the part around, you know, having the heart of a, of a startup, but the, the systems and processes of like a listed company, you know, if you can get that, that balance, right. Then, and only then can you uh, have the time and the balance that you, that, you know, entrepreneurs and many of us look for when it comes to family, because I think if, unless you're a complete idiot, you know, once you have a kid uh, and a husband or a wife or more than one child, like I do, you recognize that, you know, you recognize what's really important. It's your health and your family. Like, you know, yeah. if your business dies, it, it's not going to matter as much as if anything happened to you and your health and or your family. Right. Um, and so balance is, is a myth. It doesn't happen. It's hard to get there. You know what I'm saying? And I, we, we spoke about anxiety. It's like people want balance and it's like, dude, like, okay, but that's going to come at a price. Yeah. You're going to pay a price somewhere, some, someone or you are going to pay a price for balance. And if you don't want balance, you're still going to pay a price. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So you have yeah. to be, you have to be really clear and focused around what you want to go after and why you want to go after that one thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the key to that is like starting with the end in mind. Yeah. It's like what we talked about earlier to come, come full circle. It's about the why, right? Like thinking of when you're, when you're piecing out (laughs) on your life, 
what, what are the things that you want to stand on? Did you do a lot? Yeah. Amazing. But why are we entrepreneurs, right? We want to do good in the world. We want to, we want to set our own schedule. There's a million reasons, but I think one of the most powerful ones is that we want to enjoy our life and we want to feel like we've built something that we can rely on and we can help our family rely on so that we can, it's, um, there's a great saying that says entrepreneurs live like nobody else. So one day they can live like nobody else. And I love it. Cause I'm like, yes, like that is why we do it. We don't do it so that we just keep doing it every year. It's so that we get to a point where we can best step back and things continue to grow. Mm, amazing. Um, so let's give you some airtime. What do you want to push? Yes. So you've got launchpreneur, right? So, uh, where can people, what is it? And where can people go to learn more about that? Yeah. So launchpreneur really is about helping that that entrepreneur is about helping that entrepreneur really build their business. And then for the entrepreneurs, the CEOs, celebrities, and public figures, it's about helping them kind of go back to the basics, reframe and restructure their business. Like you experienced as a celebrity in your space too, right? Like you needed the business to support these sold out tours you were doing. So we help people kind of work, work through all of that. And um, I'm really passionate about it with my husband. We do so many fun accelerators. We just get into it with people, um, but we're also building some courses so that people who can't fly out to LA or to Vegas and do those things with us can actually learn from that. So you can check all that out at launchpreneur.com. It's literally just launch instead of entre and preneur. (laughs) Um, And then I have the McCord list, which is my fashion MBA program. And the best way to describe that as a master business accelerator is that we took all the principles in entrepreneur and we packaged it for creative entrepreneurs. So whether you're a photographer, a business, a fashion brand, a buyer, anyone in the fashion, beauty, entertainment space, um, that one is is really customary to you based on my you know 12 years experience working in entertainment specifically. And then we have Viral Brand, which is a marketing agency, and they all just work in tandem because a lot of times while we're helping those entrepreneurs with Launchpreneur, we realized that they actually need some marketing support. So my husband actually is the pioneer of influencer marketing back in 2002. Mm-hmm. He was doing massive cams- campaigns with Napster, which I don't even know what that is, to be really honest with you. But um, mm-hmm. I know what Facebook and MySpace and all those things were when they came along after with the same concept. So he's really good at building audiences and getting the message out to them. So we do that with celebrities, with influencers, and with raving fan programs focused on communities. So for you, crypto communities, right? And entrepreneur communities, it's like we actually have data tools that we built to be able to reach 200,000 influencers who are active in our network today as people like yourself with huge platforms, we can hit them with one button (laughs) and communicate with them, give them information about our clients, brands, products, and services, and they will go on and share them. And we do active campaigns to support that. Legit. See, I I knew you had a lot going on. I didn't even know about viral (laughs) brand. I do, but I do. I have an amazing team. My my husband's an amazing partner and we, you know, we we're doing what we love to do. It's all about creation, iteration and evolution. And I, I love it. So viral brand for marketing and entrepreneur for, for building your business. That's crazy. Uh, we must definitely chat. I'm going to reach out to you. I'm keen to explore more around what you guys do because I'm always looking for, I'm actually looking for the thing that you've just said you, you do. <laughs> so, oh, oh my goodness. Uh, oh, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, let's, 
Let's chat. Absolutely. And yeah, for your, nice. for your listeners and everything, like always send me a note. Like if I can't personally help someone on my team can point you in the right direction. My, my email is so easy. It's Rachel at rachelmccord.com. Mm-hmm. And I'm never afraid to, to communicate with someone. I, I do have an assistant who helps me with my emails, full disclosure, but, um, but I, but they always make their way to me. And, um, and I care about it. I put my email in my book that I wrote because I just really want to be, um, able to connect with anyone who is eager and, and, um, and brave and courageous to use your word enough to ask for what they want in life and, and demand it. Rachel, one more question, if you don't mind, um, why do you do all of this? Like what gets you out of bed in the morning? Um, I love the question. And I think it really does come back to, um, to helping other people who were me when I started my business, my husband said, well, you know, cause I was dealing with a lot of self-doubt of, of course, with, you know, what I had um, gone through and, you know, and I don't talk about what I went through as like a crutch. I actually am grateful for the, the cavities in my heart that it built for the joy and the fulfillment that I feel in my life today. Um, but, you know, when I was in those seasons, I was curled up in a ball in my closet with the door closed with my two little chihuahuas. And I would just be there because it was quiet enough. It was dark enough. I could hide from all the feelings that I couldn't connect to and deal with. And, um, and then as I got stronger and then I started facing that self-doubt, um, my husband asked me, he said, well, if, you know, if you could start these businesses, right. And help five people who were curled up right this very minute in their closet or under the covers, dealing with depression, feeling like there's no purpose to their life, would they be worth it? And I was like, five whole people. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. Absolutely. Those five people. And so every day I show up for those five people, every stage, every interview, every opportunity, Mm. I know they're listening. So if you're listening right now, I know you're listening and you were seen, you were known, you were loved and you were heard and you matter. And I think that so many times we forget, you know, we, we don't all have a faith that we come back to and we forget that this world is bigger than what we experience on a day-to-day basis. And the fact that I get honored to, to share something that triggers someone to say, whoa, if she can make it through all that, Maybe I can too, because that person for me was Louise Hay. Um, and she's a, she's a incredible speaker who's passed on now, but I heard her story and, and the trauma she went through. And I thought, Whoa, if that didn't break her, I'm not going to be broken either. And for perfectionists going through trauma or going through something really hard is really embarrassing because we feel like we're never going to be able to get away from that. But I always believed God's stitches are perfect. I can change something. I can, I can be not only back to where I was, but better. And, um, and that's what drives me. And I, I try to help my son, you know, learn as he, as he gets older to embrace his feelings and it's okay. Like let's fail because if you didn't fail, you didn't try. You're crazy. You're an absolute powerhouse and full of surprises. Oh. So, uh, <laughs> so, so well done to you. I, I think you're going to have just more and more uh, amazing success. So congratulations to you. Um, and uh, just to end, I want to say thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a, a real privilege um, having uh, having you here and, and getting your story on record. I know we, we kind of skirted around quite a bit and there's a lot we can, uh, you know, double down on potentially in the future, but uh, that we'll leave for another day. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for having me, Matt. It's such an honor and congratulations on all of your continued success. Awesome, Rachel. All the best. Cheers, guys. 
Hi there, guys, and thank you so much for checking out the Matt Brown Show. If you want more content like this, head on over to YouTube where you can catch my Million Dollar Principles channel and more interviews on the Matt Brown Show YouTube channel. Get weekly thought pieces and advice and so, so, so much more. And don't forget to like and subscribe for more Matt Brown Show episodes. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.